Lights, camera action, Zelensky the snake visits the U.S. once again. Get your preferred payment method out, Americans. I'm sure it'll cost you. The show starts now. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Former actor slash comedian and current Ukrainian president Voldemort Zelensky has made another special visit to the United States of America. He made his first photo op, I mean pit stop, at a Staten Island hospital to visit wounded Ukrainian soldiers. Now look, there's nothing inherently wrong with lending a helping hand to the wounded, but I can't be the only one wondering who the actual hell is paying for another country's service members to be treated in the U.S. hospitals as U.S. military members and veterans wait for months at a time to receive treatment at VAs across the country. This country, our country, that they serve or served on behalf of us Americans. Yeah, it pisses me off. And Zelensky repeatedly coming here to lecture us on how we could do so much more for him also pisses me off. $113 billion is apparently not enough. But yesterday, that little rat spoke in front of the U.N. once again, reminding the world that the world, but mostly we, the suckers and sugar daddies in the United States, should fund his lifestyle. I mean, the Ukrainian war effort, of course. He also once again chose to wear his signature army green combat slash cargo pant matching set, not because he is fighting on the front lines, but because it makes him feel as though he is as he's shaking us down for billions but how appropriate of him to speak in front of the UN, another globalist body that does nothing but suck us dry. But you'll be glad to know our illustrious president also gave a speech in front of the UN. Well, sorta. Simply put, the 21st century, 21st century results are badly needed. They're needed to move us along. That starts with the United Nations. Now, even as we evolve our institutions and drive creative new partnerships, let me be clear. Certain principles of our international system are sacrosanct. <clears throat> Please, someone translate that for us. Blah, 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 let me be clear. But he also went on to say 
This is about the invasion by millions at our own southern border. Oh, wait, I'm just kidding. It was about Ukraine again. If you allow Ukraine to be carved up, is the independence of any nation secure? I'd respectfully suggest the answer is no. We have to stand up to this naked aggression today and deter other would-be aggressors tomorrow. Hey, Lord Voldemort Zelensky, be careful what you wish for because this is President Joe's definition of national security. Yeah, methinks Ukrainian Voldemort would poop his tracksuit if millions of invaders entered Ukraine. But don't worry, I guess we're paying to keep it manageable for him. Not for us, but for him. Joining me now is a self-proclaimed liberal who I'm going to assume disagrees with probably everything I just said there, but let's find out. I welcome journalist Brian Krasenstein. Brian, it's great to have you. So I just want to jump on in. Um, what did you think of my opening there? Are, are you down to continue funding Ukraine? Are you ready to get out your preferred method of payment, sir? Well, I, I mean, I, I think every American doesn't want to spend money wastefully, right? But we got to decide, like, what what's actually wasteful? Is it wasteful to help prop up a democratic country that's an ally of ours uh, against an enemy, Russia? Is that wasteful? Or is it perhaps wasteful to have this $800 billion a year military budget? Uh, okay. We're spending, we spent, what, what do we spend? 117 million, you estimate, in Ukraine? What is that, like a month and a half of our military budget? Brian, I have to make sure that I'm getting this accurately from you. We should be spending more to prop up Ukraine's military and spend less on our own military so as to protect the United States and our actual interests. Did I get that correctly? Because I just want to make sure. Providing defense weapons to Ukraine, which acts as a buffer to NATO, between NATO and Russia, is part of our military. It's a part of our defense. It's a part of our strategic intervention in that region. But Brian, so no, I, nobody I, I declared would... war though. Congress didn't authorize a war. We are not at war with Russia. So I think that's where this is getting sticky. We are not at war with Russia. Ukraine is at war with Russia. We have been helping Ukraine out. At the beginning, it was okay. It's been over a year. We're edging into the year and a half mark. I think a lot of Americans are just getting sick and tired of this with neither country wanting to come to the table, certainly Zelensky not wanting to come to the table. And you mentioned that Ukraine is a democratic nation. Well, Ukraine is also known for fraud. Ukraine is also known for corruption and for a lot of issues. So a lot of us, as you mentioned, wasteful spending, have a real concern with exactly where this money is going, how it's being spent. And I don't want to be funding Zelensky's lifestyle, his tracksuits. I don't want my money to be going into the coffers of some, you know, wannabe dictator in Ukraine. That really concerns me. Well, you're you're saying that that we're, we're not at war, right? But how much of our military budget is spent on war right now? How much? None, right? We're not spending any of that $800 billion on war right now. So I think that's kind of a false equivalency. Uh, now, of course, we should know where the money's going. I, I would totally support that. I, I think we should keep a good record of where the money is going. But to say that we should just abandon Ukraine and let Russia invade a sovereign nation and indiscriminately bomb schools and hospitals and civilian populations uh, without any pushback, I, I think that's that's just as insane as saying, we should just spend money without any track. 
Yeah, kind of like we did with COVID. But, you know, I want to turn to our own country as well, because I think a lot of Americans, if everything was going, you know, hunky-dory here, if, if we weren't personally being invaded by millions of people, I think people might feel a little bit better about spending all this money in Ukraine. I personally wouldn't, but I think some would. Um, so I'm wondering your thoughts. What's going on at the border? You know, Fox News, one of the only outlets that's actually reporting the numbers coming in, thousands and thousands a day, just coming on over here, really undeterred. You know, New Yorkers are very upset that there's a lot of illegal immigrants in their streets right now. Chicago, same thing. Do you think we've got a problem here? Yeah, yeah, we absolutely have a problem. And we've had a problem for the last several decades, going way back before Bush, right? It's it's not like a new problem. And, and we've seen this surge recently. Most of it has to do with the economic status and the upheaval in South America and Central America. Uh, it, we need a solution. We need a comprehensive solution, a solution where the left and the right work together. It's not just build that wall. We need to actually find solutions that kind of take into account all of the aspects of the problem, not, not just a wall, right? Like I'm, I'm okay with sections of wall or sections of fences when you combine it with additional personnel, when you combine it with additional technology and actually a plan to try and stem these immigrants from even wanting to come here. Right. So, you know, we're in somewhat of agreement there. But, you know, I think the thing right now is when you've got the numbers that are coming in, you know, these people are really all claiming to be asylum seekers. I don't think that you buy that millions and millions of people have legitimate asylum claims, especially when we're seeing the images of a lot of single men coming in, able-bodied men coming in by themselves, you know, in large groups, but by themselves, not with families. I'm sure that you see that and you think that these people may not actually have legitimate asylum claims as they are pretending to have. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of people that don't have legitimate asylum claims, but there are plenty who do. And yes, we see more men coming over than women, but typically, and this has been true if you go back decades and, and follow immigration trends, typically men come because it's a dangerous trek. Some of these people are traveling from South America all the way to our border. Uh, they have kids and cho children and wives and family members at home that can't make this journey. They come, they try and set up a life in America, and then they try and get their families to come over. So it, it's not exactly untypical of immigration. Yeah, but when you're seeing these single men coming over in such large numbers from all over the world, it's not just South and Central America. I mean, it's Africa, it's China, it's Russia. To your point earlier, I mean, the world has gotten the message, now is your time to come. And when you get here, you will really only get not even a slap on the wrist. In fact, we'll give you maybe a cell phone, we'll give you some documents, and we'll fly you to wherever you want to go, bus you to wherever you want to go. We'll pay for your hotel room, we'll pay for your meals every day. We'll send you to school with American children, even though you might not be vaccinated for anything. Uh, I think that there's a real concern here, and I don't know how we let millions and millions of people in and then say, well, we need to you know, find a solution other than closing the border and then working from there. Do you agree that it's got to start with enforcing the border first before we worry about everything that's already come in? Yeah, I, I think Democrats and Republicans agree that we need to secure the border. But how do you do that? It, like you have everybody on the right just chanting, build that wall. 
and people on the left want an actual comprehensive solution. There's nothing that Biden is doing right now that is much different than what Trump did. Uh, well, no, because Trump there had is, a zero. I'd be happy Trump, to yeah, hear Trump, what you think it is. Well, Trump had remained in Mexico. But he also had a zero tolerance policy. So if you tell these people you're going to brave this trek, you're going to come over here, and then you're going to have to go sit in Mexico, you're going to deter a lot of people because sitting in Mexico, sitting in Tijuana, you know, is not as illustrious as sitting in New York City at the Row in Times Square, right? So people were deterred for that reason. I know because I've been to the border many times during the Trump administration, and I saw it. Also, he threatened tariffs on Mexico. If they didn't control their own border, that also worked because they didn't want to have to pay those tariffs. So there's a lot of things that can be done that were done. Immigration's nothing new, but these numbers are certainly new. This is not like anything that we've seen before. So Biden has gone in between the, the remain in Me Mexico policy. This is impacting asylum seekers. There's still people flowing over the border. So regardless of remain in Mexico, you're still going to have people coming here, here, here illegally. So like like I, I I get it. Like I, I think that there's things that we can do as a country, but I think to do to actually come up with a solution, you need both sides to work together instead of pointing fingers at one another. Right. So would you be down for, you know, we've got 10 million plus, plus like 1.5 million that we know of gotaways that they estimate probably far more. If these people, let's say eight million of them probably even more, but we'll be generous. Eight million of them do not have legitimate asylum claims. Would you be down for deporting these people back to their country of origin? I, I think that if we, if we find that they don't have legitimate claims, then yeah, I, I don't have a problem with deporting people. I think that if you have people who have set up lives in this country and they've been here for years and years and have families here, I think that that is a separate issue. I think that 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 then the, the line becomes a little bit, uh, I think, foggier. Uh, well, you that's can't just ha that have I come in. If we want to talk about the, all the illegals in the country, I mean, that would be probably closer to 20, 30 right. million right. people. I would be fine with deporting 20 to 30 million people, but I understand that that's not logical. I'm talking about the 10 million that have come in that have probably already dropped a couple anchor babies, but that have come in in the last two and a half, three years. Would you be down with deporting them back to their country of origin if they came in? illegally and not allowing re-entry for those people? Yeah, I, I, I think we're, we are deporting hundreds of th thousands of people every year. But, and, and I, I would also, I would support that as long as they have a fair, uh, a fair, they can be put in front of a judge and their asylum claims can be looked at in a fair way. Uh, obviously the system's overwhelmed right now. We need better solutions for that. But yeah, I, I think that people are coming here illegally and they don't have a legitimate claim of asylum, they should be sent back. Yeah, I mean, I think what we should be spending our money on is just a ton of immigration judges and put them right down there at the border, let them process this stuff in real time. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, sayonara sucker. That's how I'd like to deal with it. But I've got to move on because I could talk about the border all day. It's one of my personal favorite topics. But I want to move on, and I have to get your honest take on this. you got to promise me, Brian, that you're going to be honest with me. I want you to sure. give your president, Joe Biden, also my president, but you did this. Uh, I want you to give your president and mine, by proxy, uh, a grade for how he has done so far. A, B, C, D, E, F. If it goes lower than that, what grade would you give him? I'd give him a B. <laughs> okay. Do you want him to be your nominee for 2024? I, I think there's a lot of advantages uh, of having an incumbent. 
I, I understand that. I, I, I think that having an incumbent is definitely, definitely an advantage. Do I think that we could maybe have somebody younger? Would I prefer to have somebody younger? Yeah, I, I would. Would you prefer Kamala Harris? Is that your uh, second choice? Uh, I, I, I don't know if I've actually ranked my choices. I, I think Gavin Newsom's a good choice. I think Harris would be a decent choice. Uh, there's several others that I would be on board with. Brian, you have to explain this to me. I know why I don't like Kamala Harris, but Democrats also don't like Kamala Harris. We saw it when she ran for president. I mean, she was out before they could even get to her own state to, to vote. So I'm wondering, why don't you Democrats like the first female vice president of color? I wouldn't say I don't like her. I, I think she'd make a decent president. Uh, I, I think that she's gotten some bad publicity. I think that that especially those on the right are kind of focusing on her because they expect her to possibly be next in line for president. Uh, but I don't think she's she hasn't done anything terrible. I, I think she that she has could have ended it. She hasn't done anything. She hasn't done anything. So that I, might be part I, of the she, problem. She's vice president. She's vice president. I, I, I mean, she's there to back up the president. She's she's there to to support the president's initiatives. Uh, she's not there to garner the spotlight. But hasn't, well, she likes to post selfies, but didn't the president give her like a big long list of things to do? I mean, to my knowledge, she hasn't tackled a single one of them. I think at one point she went to El Paso for a few hours, but uh, she never addressed the root causes of the immigration we were talking about. She hasn't been working on the voting rights that's so important to the Democrat Party. Um, same thing. You know, she's been tasked with really explaining Roe v. Wade and why abortion on demand is part of your agenda. She hasn't really convinced the American people that's a good idea. Um, she was supposed to be in charge of finding new green jobs for the people that were put out of work through these green initiatives. She hasn't done that. I mean, she really hasn't done anything that he's given her. Do you think that he has set her up to fail because he also doesn't like her? No, I, I, I don't. I, I do think that maybe he could have put her more in the spotlight, uh, given her actual more time in front of the press. Uh, I, you talk about not setting up new green new jobs to take over the ones that green jobs supplanted or whatever. Uh, we have more jobs in this country than we've had ever. Uh, green jobs are growing exponentially over the course of the last few years. Uh, we are leaders within green tech jobs. Uh, that's a positive. Yeah, but not the people that are losing their jobs in the coal well, mines. Yeah, but the I, people I mean, that are losing their jobs in the pipelines. I mean, I know for a fact, because that was my home state, those people do not have jobs that replace the jobs that they lost when he canceled the Keystone Pipeline. So they haven't replaced those jobs. Um, they the, haven't. The number of jobs uh, working on the Keystone Pipeline Tesla hires probably in a given two-week period. Wait, you're going to have to explain that to me again. Yeah. I, th th how many jobs did we lose based on the Keystone Pipeline? Yeah, we lost. And look I mean, at how many jobs are created by Tesla and other green energy companies. Yeah, so you're telling me that those 12,000 people in South Dakota should just eat crap? Because they lost their jobs over an hour into Biden's presidency. They lost their jobs. They were counting on those good, high-paying jobs. The businesses in that town and in my home state were counting on people moving in to take those jobs. They took out loans to expand their businesses, to build hotels, and then that was all swept out from underneath of them. They have nothing now. I mean, I think that that's... Now, aren't Democrats about well, the, yeah. you know, the little guy? Don't they care about the working class? These working class people, they're just out on their ass. 
yeah, you're focusing on one small uh, blip of the entire economy. Yes, it's a shame that these people lost their jobs. It's it's sad, right? But there's also thousands of people getting new jobs who might not have had jobs before. So I, I get it. I get it that it's that these people lost jobs, but there's so many more jobs that have been created because of green technology. Uh, so many more jobs that will be created because we are becoming the leaders in green technology. Brian, does it bother you that these wind turbines in the ocean are killing whales and sharks? It bothers me. It bothers me. You know, these wind turbines that can't be recycled out there killing the sharks bothers me. But I, I want to move on past the whales and the sharks that green energy is killing. And I want to move on to John Fetterman. So I want you to give me your best defense as to why Senator John Fetterman should be able to dress like uh, a video gamer when he goes to work. It, it doesn't bother me. Like, like I, I have no problem with him dressing in a hoodie and shorts. Uh, who is he representing? He's representing the people of Pennsylvania. What does the average person in Pennsylvania dress like? Do you think they dress like Barack Obama or like Ted Cruz or like Donald Trump? No, they dress like John Fetterman. So, I, I mean, he's dressing like the people he represents. I find that refreshing. I don't think that we should be concentrating on how somebody dresses. I think we should be concentrating on exactly what they're doing and what how they're pushing forward with trying to progress this country. Yeah, well, he's not doing much on that front either, but it doesn't bother you at all. Like, I get it. Some people wear hoodies and basketball shorts. They're usually 15. But if you went, let's just, I just want you to be honest with me, Brian, if you go to your doctor- I wore a hoodie like two days ago. Yeah, but Brian, your job's a little different, right? You're not a senator to my knowledge. Um, if you went to the doctor's office and your doctor showed up wearing a hoodie and basketball shorts, are you like, that's a man of the people? Or are you like, hmm, who let this guy in here? I, I, I really wouldn't care. Uh, I, I mean, you're, you're comparing apples to oranges, but, but who cares how people dress? I, I mean, if, if that's how, if he's comfortable in those clothes and he's, and he's doing things that his constituents want him to do, I don't really have a problem with that. I, I think that just concentrating on these kinds of kinds of things, it's it's not really helping anything. Yeah. Well, I just think that it sends a message to the people in Pennsylvania that their representative uh, doesn't care enough about them to dress like a professional. I mean, we're not asking him to do much here. Just put on real clothes would be nice. But uh, again, Brian, I always appreciate our conversations. I appreciate that you and I both dislike Kamala Harris. We both want to save the whales that green energy is killing. I don't dislike her. I don't dislike yeah, her. Yeah, but you don't like her either, Brian. So let's just be honest. We've had this conversation more than once, and I know you're not going to lie, so we'll just say you're lukewarm on Kamala, but it's okay. First female vice president, woman of color, the Democrats don't like her, but it's okay. They're going to forgive you, Brian. I'm going to forgive you. And I hope to have you back soon, maybe after the next debate, because I want to get your thoughts on my side of the aisle. And I promise I'll be fair. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, sure. No All problem. Right. All right. Coming up, Brian, like Zelensky, is a great actor. We all know Joe is a mess and his Achilles heel well beyond his own actual heels that tend to go out from underneath of him from time to time is his son Hunter. In fact, Joe is reportedly worried he won't outlive his son's legal battles. He still thinks he can serve another term, though. Comforting. But as for Hunter, he's as shameless and brazen as they come. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I suppose. 
Hunter is, in fact, suing the IRS, alleging that agents illegally released his tax information. Gotta love it. Here with his reaction is former Deputy Director of National Intelligence and author of Government Gangsters, Cash Patel. All right, Cash, so I got a lot of things to talk to you about, including your book, Government Gangsters. Uh, really, everything we're going to talk about today probably revolves around that in some way, shape, or form. But I want to start out with Hunter Biden suing the IRS. Does he have a case here? <laughs> it's kind of, I'm laughing. I wish I wasn't laughing and joking about this, but this is what our justice system has become as a former federal prosecutor. I'm now learning new things from the Biden Justice Department. You can sue them if you just don't like them. And if you're Hunter Biden, you can sue them for seven figure sums in some sort of scheme to try to get his criminal conduct removed from the very institution that's supposed to be prosecuting him. He has a brilliant lawyer and they're going to fight <clears throat> like heck and they're going to have the media on their side. But no, there's no case for Hunter Biden to sue the Justice Department. How many other people's private information has been publicly released? Mine has. I didn't have a right to sue the, the, the Justice Department or Adam Schiff or anyone else. That's not a right that can be justified in a court of law. It's just so interesting, kind of like when Hunter Biden wanted to sue the laptop repair man, but he also said that it wasn't his laptop, but he was suing anyway. I mean, these people, you have to give it to them for creativity. I mean, very creative. But speaking of Hunter Biden, so Congressman Matt Gates, he has been urging Speaker McCarthy for a long time now to subpoena Hunter Biden. I think we're all wondering the same thing. Why not subpoena Hunter Biden? We know we've got an impeachment inquiry mm -hmm. on the table, but it seems like the logical next step why not? Why do you think that there's a little bit of hesitancy there? Do you get it? What can you explain that the average person might not understand? Well, I, I you know, from my time at Capitol Hill running the Russiagate investigation, you know, it took us forever to issue our subpoenas. It took us literally the consent of the speaker and a mother may I have you from um, the men and women upstairs. And that's what it takes to get from for some reason, the Republicans think that's what you have to do. But the Democrats, if Jan 6 committee comes in and they issue scores of subpoenas overnight. And so the Republicans have just, for some reason, never played at the same level the Democrats are willing to play at. And I hope this subpoena is issued. And look, they don't have to issue a thousand subpoenas, just subpoena Garland, Ray, and Hunter Biden. That's it. That's all we're asking for. And uh, I'm not sure why. And I hope Matt Gates is successful in forcing this subpoena to finally come out. It seems like there's a lot of heat on Speaker McCarthy. He has been getting, from the very beginning, you know, he's really had to toe a line and he's had to yeah. appease certain hardline folks that, that want to see the, the Republicans be as cutthroat as the Democrats. But he's walking a very fine line. Do you think this, this impeachment inquiry and, and moving this direction, do you think that that's going to backfire on Republicans in 2024? Do you think that people are going to be sick and tired of the investigations and that that might be the wrong area to direct our attention? Or is those powers that you and I have talked about before, the power to get those documents, the subpoenas, is mm -hmm. that going to be necessary to unravel this whole thing? Yeah, look, unfortunately, I think politics overtakes the day in Washington and has done so once again on Capitol Hill. I have said for a long time, I don't think it's beneficial to impeach Joe Biden to educate the American public. I think it's beneficial to impeach Garland and Ray, the individuals that have created this two-tier system of justice, that are permitting Hunter Biden to sue him baselessly, that are giving him a free hall pass and have pursued cases against Donald Trump and Joe Biden in very different and unlawful fashions. And so I don't know why they want to do that. I think they want the headlines and the politics, but I think you're absolutely right. The American public is going to say, what have you done for us? What have you showed us? What is Congress who works for us and is supposed to have constitutional oversight over these institutions of justice and intelligence that are running away with our democracy? What have you done to curb that power? 
oh, we impeach Joe Biden. Right. All roads are going to lead there anyway. We are owed the documentation and the evidence that shows the millions coming in from unlawful entities. So the American public can adjudicate that at the polls next November. Yeah, I agree. I think that we have to make the case that the justice system is messed up. And then also the best way to defeat Joe Biden is just to let Joe Biden run. Honestly, like I, I'm fine with it. I'd rather run against Joe, right? I yeah. think the Democrats are sitting back. I've said this many times. I think that they would love to see an impeachment because they're like, oh, the Republicans can do the dirty work and then we can get rid yes. of Joe and put someone in that we prefer that can, you know, breathe and speak like Gavin Newsom. So I think that they're happy about that. Uh, other things I have to talk to you about, though, I have to talk to you about the Trump stuff, right? So every time I hear news about Trump or he did this or he did that, I take it with a grain of salt because I don't trust it. But there's been some documentation that there were some classified documents that he was writing to do notes on for assistance. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure you've heard that. What's your take on it? Is it believable? And if so, how big of a problem is that? Well, here's my take on it. As a national security prosecutor handle classified documents, if this DOJ of any DOJ could have charged Donald Trump with unlawfully possessing classified documents, they would have done it. But they chose not to, just like they chose not to prosecute him for insurrection and sedition. And so instead, what they're doing is they're leaking this information, which is not criminal for him to write notes on a classified piece of paper. If it's actually classified, they would have prosecuted him for it. But they know the Presidential Records Act kicks in. So any documentation, President Trump, just like Clinton and the tapes, just like Bush and Obama before them, they take out of the White House is their lawful right per the United States District Courts to take and do whatever they want with them. So they are just dirtying up the water and the jury pool by saying, oh, look what he did. And if they're dirtying up that media cycle, where are the leaks on Joe Biden who actually right. possessed classified documents next to his Corvette in his garage for 10 years. I mean, the two-tier system of justice, you just see it every day. And I'm just thankful that you're on the watch calling it out because most people aren't. They're just trying to make him look like a buffoon, as I think what it is. Like, they love to write something like that because it's like an embarrassing thing. It's an embarrassing headline. Oh, Trump was writing to-do notes on classified documents. It seems a lot bigger than it is, and it seems like it, you know, makes him an idiot. So I think that that, you're right, that is the goal. It's not really like, oh, he did this horrible thing. It's just, look at him. He's a clown. He he handled this these documents so unprofessionally. I mean, it's more about the media narrative. I think you're exactly right. But you've got a book coming out very soon, September 26th, Government Gangsters. If there's anybody that I trust to really unlock all the details, it's you. Tell me what we're going to read about in this book and what we need to know headed into 2024 that you've written about in this book. I name every government gangster in alphabetical order in the end of the book that I ever encountered by name and title. I walk through how they broke our system of justice, broke our intelligence community, violated the law and the chain of command. And it's not a Republican or Democratic thing. I probably name more Republicans than I do Democrats. But more importantly, I walk you through agency by agency and department by department how to fix the government, not just personnel, not just budgeting, not just constitutional oversight. And the shorthand memorandum in the back of the book is like the cheat sheet to do it. I also put the government's own documentation in there on things like January 6th, the Nunes memo and other matters so that you would have the ability to look and show people the receipts. And I guess that's why the Biden administration blocked the, remo the, the release of this book by 10 months. And I had to take them to federal court. There must be something in here you don't want, they don't want you to see. And I think I'm thankful that Donald Trump calls it the roadmap to 2024. And we got some fun stories in there, like the time we killed Baghdadi, brought hostages home and ended the forever war. So Hopefully people enjoy it. Governmentgangsters.com. It finally ships in a few days. That's so exciting. Um, 
Now you have to, a couple of things here. <clears throat> you said you give a roadmap to all the people that probably shouldn't be in government. If mm -hmm. Donald Trump is our nominee, and then if he is our president, is he going to pay attention to this? Because unfortunately, Cash, you and I both know, he put in a lot of government gangsters. Yeah. So are you confident that you're going to have his ear this time and say, these are the people we probably shouldn't put back in? I 100% am. Otherwise, I wouldn't have written this book. You know, when, when I asked him if he was all in and he said, I'm 100% in, I said, OK, I'm 100% in too. But this time, the personnel on these key positions and not just the top level ones, the medium level ones, the junior level ones, we've got the bench and we're not going to listen to the rhinos and we're not going to listen to Washington, D.C. and the defense industrial complex and the lobbyists. I think everybody learned their lesson and the rest that didn't. That's the purpose of the book. It's not a right wing conspiracy to call the CIA director uh, unlawful conduct if she violated the chain of command. So next time when we put in our personnel, they know we've learned from our mistakes and are going to get the right package in. Oh, gosh, I hope so. Well, congratulations on the long awaited book, Government Gangsters, September 26th. Cash, as always, thank you so much for being here. Congratulations on the book. And I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Tommy. Have a great day. You as well. All right, folks. I know it seems like the left is winning everything, and for the most part, that's true. It's called the tyranny of the minority, and the impacts are disastrous. But all is not lost, because you see the left is overplaying their hand. They've gotten too cocky, and they've pushed it too far, and the LGBTQ barbecue might be the very colorful hill they are willing to die on. So in that case, RIP, it's time for Final Thoughts. If you're only on TikTok and Instagram, you may be fooled into believing the they-them mind virus, the rainbow mafia, the gender delusional cult has already won. But in the real world, real people, you know, he's and she's with the equipment to match, well, they are pushing back. Look no further than these students and parents from this Pennsylvania school district who staged a walkout last week after their activist school board failed to protect the sanctity of the bathroom. And they shouldn't need to explain themselves. This concept of not violating the private space of the opposite sex because you're having an identity crisis is a basic one. Meaning, if you were born with a dingaling, you go to the bathroom with other males who also have dingalings. This isn't rocket science, but it is science, and we should follow the science. If you were born a dude, you go into the restroom with this symbol. If you were born a female, you go into the restroom with this symbol. And if that hurts your feelings, too bad. Because my right as a woman to feel safe and comfortable in the restroom does not end where your feelings begin. And this isn't about transphobia, it's about safety. If you're a dude that wants to wear a dress, whatever, knock yourself out. You wearing a dress does not put me in danger, but you forcing yourself into a woman's only space could, and that's a risk women should not be forced to take. I mean, damn, I guess I'm a feminist now since you liberal feminists have apparently gone on hiatus. But why should 98% of the population bow to the whims and the wants of the 2% who think their feelings and their life choices ought to trump everyone else's? We are sick of this. So all the school boards and districts and administrations ought to be put on notice. If you pull this crap and you endanger students and violate their spaces to push some rainbow social experiment, you will be out of a seat or a job because you've pushed this crap too far and you're not going to win this one. There aren't enough woke liberals out there, even on TikTok, to fool the rest of us into believing you're in the majority on this issue. The snake is eating its own tail here and I hope they choke on it. Those are my final thoughts from Nashville. God bless and take care.